just after 4 o'clock, and I'm the sports leader, TSN 1260. Jason Greger, Jason Strudwick, Brandon Douglas with you. Connor Halley also uh, back at the TSN headquarters. Of course, uh, if you missed it, uh, Jamie Benn, uh, two-game suspension. Also, it is Kid Sport Week. And uh, today is a Kid Sport Day, and it's a Gregor's Giving Gang. You can be a part of it. It's uh, $25 a month for the year and uh, to get a kid playing in sports. Huge opportunity. Uh, we were looking for 60. We're at uh, up to 33 now, so we're, we're just over half. We're on pace, so we need a good finish. Let's keep it going. You can text in at 101260 or email me, jgregor.tsn1260.ca. And uh, we'll take your name and number. We'll give it to uh, Sadie and Dana at uh, Kidsport, and it'll set it up. Uh, you'll get updates throughout the year so you know where your money's going and who you're helping out. And uh, it's very important to get kids playing sport. We all know how many positive outcomes there are from sports. And, and not just in sports itself. It just you know it helps kids with confidence, helps them you know kind of overcome adversity and learn a lot about themselves. It's fantastic. So if you want to help out, you can text in at 10 12 60. With your name and just say Kid Sport and away you go. It'll be that easy. So we'd uh, we'd like to get uh, another twelve this hour. Keep us on pace. So uh, let's get to twelve more. Uh, that seems a lot better, doesn't it? Get to twelve at ten, twelve, sixty. Let's go uh, around the NHL now. Brought to you by McDonald's and uh, right now at uh, Mickey D's. Hey, stop in and you can get a dollar cone. Right now, and paired up with a quarter pounder with cheese made with 100% Canadian beef. Only available at McDonald's as uh, Mike Rupp, former NHLer, Stanley Cup winner from NHL Network, joins us. And uh, Rupper, uh, are you surprised Ben got two considering Petrangelo got one? Yeah, yeah, I am. <laughs> Just for that reason you said alone. And I know we're not supposed to look at them and connect them, but it's hard not to. I mean, I'm, I, when I watch the two and you, you think what the optics were from the Petrangelo one, I, I, you don't see that in hockey. You, you shouldn't see it in hockey. Um, I guess I'm okay with him getting the one if that's the standard you're going to set, but this seems like now a new standard has been set. So I don't know. I, I thought it was not as bad as the, the Petra. Listen, I'm not trying to say it was good. It wasn't good. It was, it was bad. I don't think Jamie Ben's, comments today uh were that great as far as not really taking ownership but at the same rate i mean it's before the suspension comes out so you're just gonna incriminate yourself and what you say so i understand that but um yeah i I am surprised I, i i didn't think it would get two games what are the stars missing that they they're unable to uh you know push push back on uh vegas win some games well until last night you know, I think last night was a bit of an outlier as far as how this series has gone. And a lot of it was due to that that bad start and then obviously the, the Ben situation and those two goals coming off that. Um, but if through the first two games, I mean, I think that's a frustrating part. And I think we're seeing it in both conference finals is you, you're seeing stretches. Like there's been – I don't know what you guys are seeing um, – but when I watch that, Dallas has some pretty good stretches, and they have some some good runs in those games. And I don't know if it's just not being able to get that next goal or or, or kind of get themselves getting the results for how they're playing. But they're not they're not being 
outplayed like a 3-0 deficit would indicate. Um, they've had a lot of really good things happening. I think, you know, Jake Ottinger can be better. Um, it just seems like the big mistakes they're making are ending up in the back of their net. And the other side, Vegas isn't making those mistakes. Um, I mean, I know there's a lot of attention given on the Ryan Suter kind of over to Mira Heiskanen on the, on oh. the game tire in game, in game two. Um, so, so I mean, that's one. But then the overtime goal, you, you just can't have that, that change. And you can't have – I mean, I watched over the the – play at the bench there I, I don't think the whatever the situation was the guys didn't know who was up next so I don't know if it was you know I think it was Dadanov and, and Johnston where I don't know if there's just short shifts that they're taking or coming off early but no one knew who was going out next and and you gave the other team an odd man rush in, in overtime so like every time they make that mistake that one mistake it's ending up in the back of their net but Overall, I mean, I, they've done a lot of good things. They just came unraveled in Game Three, so I don't know. Without Ben, uh, was it sound like Dadnov's done too? Uh, are they going to be able to reel this back in and, and get back to work yeah. and, and be patient in the game? If if they do, they'll be they'll be able to to win. But if if not, this thing's done. Oh, 100%. I, I think it, it's over. It's just a matter of it's over in four or five uh, at this point. Um, Florida, Carolina, uh, I'm at the point, Rupper. I just want both series over. I think it's inevitable, so don't drag it out an extra day. Carolina just can't score. I thought that was going to be their detriment. I felt like uh, before the this round started that they'd had the easier route to the conference final. And You know, in Florida, hey, you, you know, when you win a, an, an overtime game that long, history tells you your odds of winning the series go up infinitely. So, uh, you know, I, I could argue the series was over after that crushing game one loss for Carolina. And it's not like they're playing poorly, but they're just their lack of finish is what's killing them in this series. Yeah, yeah, I think that's where it's at, and, and that's where this team has been at for a number of years. And to go back on what they did in the offseason for Burns, Patcher ready, and, and obviously having patches out, Vechnikov out, I think those things hurt for a team that already kind of lacked finish. I mean, that was supposed to be a bit of an answer to that. And um, I think we all kind of thought that the scoring punch would maybe catch up with them at some point, but through the first round or two, and first two rounds, I mean, it's yeah, Jordan Martin on an absolute tear. You had different guys stepping up at different times, and you're like, okay, well, this is this is what playoff hockey's about, right? And now it's they just, I I don't know. Bob's been unbelievable, so let's get that out of the way. But Sergey Bobrovsky's been fantastic. Um, but is it is it Bob stymieing the whole team, or is it just caught up that they don't have finishers because they they haven't had finishers really for for a number of years now um, when they need it most? So you know it's really tough with those overtimes. You got to deal with it. You got to get back in the saddle. You got to put that and park that and put it behind you. But when you get goalied, I've gotten goalied before in the playoffs against. Uh, it was actually Yara Halak. Remember in that run um, yes. in Montreal? I was, I was in Pittsburgh and. I remember, fellas, like, we went seven games, and we went into game seven. And before game seven, I remember Dan Bilesma came in, and they gave us the stats for the series. And obviously I'm going to be partial because I was on Pittsburgh, but um, we dominated every measure measuring aspect of that series, except, you know, they, they, they won three games, so we're in game seven. And... I think the grade A's were something on the lines of, you know, the grade A scoring chances were on the lines of like 80 something to like 19 
or something like that. And we, we that's where we were at. So I think the idea was, hey, we're doing it all the right things. We just got to find a way to crack this to get to get through. And that that was in the game seven. But here you are, you're down 0-3, and you're faced with some of that stuff too. Like you're controlling a lot of parts of the games. And 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 I just I, I love Florida. I love the story. They they come through in the clutch when they need it. They get the overtime wins. Um, we they kind of create their own opportunities. But on the same rate, like. Carolina, I don't know what you do. Like you're doing a lot of really good things. You just can't score right now. So they might just be getting goalied right here by Bob. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm, on, I'm in the same boat as you. I, I think that they they'll have some pushback. Obviously, they could win a game, win two, but I just don't see them winning four in a row against Bob and the way the Florida Panthers capitalize. Joined by Mike Rupp here on the Jason Gray Show on TSN 1260, taking a look at the NHL. Craig Conroy is the new general manager of Calgary. If you're a skilled player on that team, how much are you liking what he's talking about as far as kind of opening things up and, and, and finding a coach who can let them play offensively? I think it's great. I think it's great. I think that there's, um, especially nowadays, you have to speak different players' language. Not literally, obviously. I'm, I'm just you, you can't just go down up and down the lineup and 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 have the same. You hold everybody to, to a certain level of accountability, but you've got to speak to players their language so they can understand what's wanted from them and what they're allowed and able to do. And I think offensive players sometimes, when that doesn't happen, it, it kind of kind of they lose their confidence. They they eclipse their wings a little bit. And so I think that's really important there, especially with, I mean, let's name the name, like Jonathan Huberto. you got to get him going. Like this is a guy that he's got to get back to somewhat what he was prior to going to Calgary. So I, I think just even uh, just just being cognitive of that, announcing that, talking about it, you know, makes you feel a little bit better, I think, coming back to training camp <laughs> as, as far as like, all right, things are going to be different, and there's a lot of work to be done, and you got to build that confidence up, and and still have your non uh, your your non negotiables in in uh, what you're you're asking of your group. But uh, I think it's a uh, um, it's a great starting point, and I think this Calgary Flames team is is more of a, a playoff team than not. So uh, if they can figure that out and get some scoring and kind of open up for some of their offensive players, I think it'll serve them real well. Rupper, if you were looking for a right shot D, and your two options are Severson or Dumba, and we assume the salary's close, who would you take? Oh, I take Matt Dumba. I take Matt Dumba. Um, I know D- Damon Severson's had some. He had a he had a really nice season. Uh, just Matt Dumba for me is he's he's a gamer, and he will. He can defend. He can play physical. He can jump in the rush. He's a little bit of, um, I don't know, he's a little bit more of a, a wild stallion at times. <laughs> so you got to make sure that, you know, he's playing within what you guys are trying to accomplish. But uh, he, he's a player that I think if certain things aren't going for him, he's still going to contribute. I, I, Damon Severson is a is a very good defenseman. Um, but I think he's got to be kind of insulated in a, in a decor. And where Matt Dumba, I think you could just kind of chuck him out there, and, and he's going to do something to help the team. So if those two were around the same ballpark and those are two guys up for grabs, uh, Matt Dumba is the guy all the time for me. 
Matt, uh, Mike Rupp joins us on the Sports Leader TSN 1260. Rupper, one last one for you. The, the whole uh, Toronto situation, uh, how do you read it? Uh, uh, Shanahan, Dubas, uh, any error there? What, what did you see unfolding? Um, oh, my conspiracy theory is uh, <laughs> my conspiracy theory is all that <laughs> stuff that was kind of leaked out to the media was just uh, smoke and mirrors. I, I think it came down to uh, they knew they needed to make a change. Uh, you know, Shanny and, and, and Dubis are, are good buddies, and I think they're trying to. And they don't want to don't want to put any blame on either 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 side. And I think it was just kind of, hey, this is this is a way we can do it and and, and play this out. So I, I don't know. I, I I'm just not buying the whole, you know, needing time and didn't know if you're gonna, you know, kind of where things are at. Then all of a sudden being right back in the saddle and jumping into everyone's top list as, as far as GMs available. It, I, to me, it was just trying to save face for a guy you respect. And, um, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a weird situation. But, you know, some of the stuff that's kind of being painted out there is that Brendan Shanahan had more say and, and, and things ran through him. I think we all knew that for a while now. But the big question for me, though, is I, I still don't – I, I want to know what Shanahan has to think about the team. And where Shanny thinks the team needs to go, because I don't know if, and not to put blame on Brendan Shanahan, but I think he's got to wear some of this, right? So I mean, he's been there. This team hasn't gotten over the hump or made that turn. So um, I think that was just a little bit of a distraction, and and uh, allow Kyle Dubas to uh, have an opportunity somewhere else. And yeah, I don't know. I don't read into the whole storylines that were that were kind of being out there. Rupper, good stuff. Uh, we'll be talking Stanley Cup final with you next Wednesday. Have a good one. Awesome, guys. Enjoy. It's Mike Rupp uh, around the NHL brought to you by McDonald's. Uh, quick break. Uh, when we return, we've got uh, Help Me Understand. Also, we're going to get to uh, Shane uh, Willis uh, talking about the Carolina Hurricanes and uh, are they done? Can, can they do anything in this series? We'll find out next in the Gregor Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. 4.30s, we roll through a quick Wednesday. Jason Greger Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. We're down. We need eight more. we got to keep on pace. we got to get to 60. We need eight more this hour. We're trying to average 15 an hour. So if you want to help out KidSport, you can text in with your name. It's $25 a month. That's it. It's easy. So if you want to help out, text in. It's a 10, 12, 60 to get kids back in the game. Or not back in, maybe just in the game for many kids otherwise would never get to play sports think about how much fun you had in your life playing sports how much fun your kids are having playing sports it'll cost you 25 bucks a month that's it they set it up uh, you'll get updates you'll be part of the uh, the gregor's giving gang and you'll get updates uh, throughout the year so if you'd like to help out please do so text in with your name just put kid sport and away we go and uh, we'll try to reach our goal of 60 by the end of today now Let's get to the playoff report brought to you by Tenacore. Started their family home in 1994, focused on the supply of fire protection equipment and industrial supplies. To Project Manicore, management Tenacore has grown to a team of employees and modern office and distribution center on the south side of Edmonton. Great success story. Learn more at Tenacore.com. And... The uh, Carolina Hurricanes on the ropes. Can they punch their way out? Can they go in the fifth team in NHL history to come back from a 3 nothing deficit? Well, the first thing they're going to have to do is they're going to have to figure out a way to score on Bobrovsky. They've lost three games all by one goal. They, you know, they haven't given up a lot, but they haven't scored enough. 
And uh, we'll see, what can they do to change that? Uh, former NHLer, analyst for the Hurricane Shane Willis joins us. And Shane, when you when you break it down, uh, we had Mike Rupp on, and you know sometimes it feels like man, you get goalied a little bit. That they've had some chances, especially last game. Those few saves on Aho were ridiculous by Bobrovsky. What can the Hurricanes do different in your eyes tonight? Well, there's no question he has been the story of this series for the Florida Panthers. And you mentioned two of the saves that he made, but there were so many more in that game the other night. I was talking with uh, Stanley Cup champion Justin Williams today and going back and looking at the stats. And the inside stats, Carolina Hurricanes had eight grade-A chances compared to the Florida Panthers' only one, according to all of our guys watching the video and behind the scenes on our side. So, they are getting those quality chances, but to me, I think the Hurricanes have to do a better job of traffic around Bobrovsky, taking away his eyes, looking to try and get a second and third opportunity. I think it's been too easy for him right now to make those first saves and cover up the rebound. So getting a little bit of traffic and, and causing um, him to look around and maybe guess a little bit more than he has been um, to get him off his game a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting to see that the, the, the feeling that I get watching the games is that Borowski is just in their heads. You know, so you, you make them uncomfortable, but who are the couple of the guys you think have been really close to breaking through but are just not quite, you know, just getting the finishing touches on those goals? Well, you just mentioned the one guy in Sebastian Ajo. I thought he had the best chances the last game. Um, I think you have to look to a guy like Marty Natchez and Jesperi Kokaniemi who have been quiet in this series but then go back to a guy who was red hot against the Devils and Jordan Martin and what he did in that series and everything he created. Everyone talks about the injuries, but the Hurricanes have won two rounds without Sveshnikov and without Pacioretty. And you just look back at the last series. The first game was 5-1. The second game was 6-1. Game four was 6-1 against a high-powered Devils team. So the Hurricanes have the ability to get rolling, get it going in the right direction and put the puck in the back of the net. But it's always been done by committee, and it's so very important, as you guys know, in a series like this, down 3-0, getting that first goal tonight and really breaking Bobrovsky, I think, is going to be a huge key in this one tonight. Yeah, you, you can't overlook the, the lack of finish because of, you know, now they were out the whole season basically with Pacioretty, but, you know, Svechnikov's a crusher. But even Tavo Teravainen, like I know he's back and he's playing, Shane, but he doesn't look like the same player. Well, that was my question going into game one when you come back from an injury like that, that how long is it going to take him to engage and to fully engage? You guys know the difference from a regular season to the playoffs, and now you're going in against a team in the Florida Panthers who love to play a gritty old-school style of game. And I was telling someone there the other night that during the first game, Brandon Montour made it very important to the very first shift to skate up and bump into Teravine and and look at him after the whistle. And I read his lips. He was right in front of me. He said, how's your hand doing? Because we're coming all night long. So they were in his head very early on in this series, making him know that this is going to be a very difficult series. And I, I think he's really second-guessing his shot right now after coming back from a surgery and injury like that. And for the Canes and for Table Teravina to get on the score sheet and for the Canes to claw back in this series, he's going to have to start ripping it and not hesitating um, starting tonight. The the Canes D have multiple players with two goals and then a couple guys with one. But do they have to try to get those guys kind of more into it to try to create more offense, whether it's off the rush or just jumping off the blue line? 
100%. We saw it in game two. The Hurricanes scored the first goal game uh, when Jalen Chatfield had jumped up. He was all the way right down in front of the net. He tips one in off his shot from the side. The Hurricanes defense all regular season long were extremely active. Brady Shea, Brent Burns, Jacob Slavin. Across the board, all six of them, with the system they play, have the ability to jump up into the rush and create offense. And I think tonight they have to be on their toes. They have to be going and there can be no hesitation when they're pinching down the boards to keep the puck in the offensive zone and create offense. But it's been there off and on during the playoffs. It was there in game two, and it kind of faded back uh, in game three. But the Hurricanes are going to need – you know, I always talked about it. If the Hurricanes can get one of the defensemen to score a goal, that's a huge bonus, and things are moving in the right direction in this game tonight. Shane Willis joins us. I'm the sports leader, TSN 1260. How do you feel? Like I know he scored two overtime game winners, so obviously Kachuk has made a huge impact in this series. But it, it's not like he's dominated all the time, and you know, just scored two big goals. He scored obviously two major goals, but it's not like Florida's really been generating a whole bunch. Uh, and and that's kind of being Carolina's mo. But when when I look at matchups, is there any different matchup you think Rod Brindamore might try tonight that he hasn't looked for in in the first few games of this series? No, I think the Hurricanes have done a good job, and as you mentioned, just limiting the chances of the Florida Panthers and, and those grade-A chances. So tonight I think Rod's main focus is going to be maybe moving pieces around in his own lineup to generate more offense and to, to generate a goal and see if he can find a spark somewhere in his lineup of a combination of three guys because they've created chances and they've got some very good chances. I think the Ajo, Jarvis, and Nathan line will stay tonight. I think he may see some other shifting pieces, but – I expect him, along with assistant coach Jeff Daniels, to be watching this game very closely and moving their own pieces around to generate those chances and hopefully some more goals in, in the game tonight to uh, you know get back on the right track. And I think that's the one positive for the Carolina Hurricanes that you just mentioned. They haven't been blown out three times. They've been in two overtime games and a one nothing game in game three. So it's not like the series is really a long ways out of reach for this team to win a game and get things rolling back in their direction. And I think that's the focus they have to have, what they're creating offensively, and really how close these games are. Because I think you could shift a few of those games to the Carolina side quite easily, um, especially the two overtime games that they weren't able to finish on um, and get off to a quick lead in this series. That first game was epically long. Have you seen anything uh, as far as energy level dips from, from either team because of that seven-period game in game one? I haven't seen many. I thought the Hurricanes had a huge jump in game two, which was not really surprising to me, but it was the question of which team's going to have the best legs to start game two. They got the first goal of that game. But it has been so impressive to watch these two teams go at it. Um it's been head-to-head, night in and night out, and it's something that you can't – I don't think it's been seen at all. I think late in games you might see certain shifts, but I don't think you see it so much in the energy level, but maybe in some of the mental mistakes that are made on both sides, whether it be the Hurricanes or the Panthers. Um, when you talk about puck possession and puck management, that's kind of where you see the fatigue come in and be like, what was that guy thinking there? And you're like, well, he's exhausted. It wasn't that his brain was starting to turn off. It wasn't physical. It was that mental side of things I think we've seen in these last couple of games more than anything. Well, Shane, uh, enjoy the game tonight, and we'll see if the uh, Panthers can uh, can finish it off or if the Hurricanes can stretch it to game five. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Sean. I appreciate it. There you go. That's uh, Shane Willis.
analyst for the Carolina Hurricanes. We've got a lot of text flying in. It's a 10-12-60. Gregor, did I hear you correct that the NHL rescinded the OHL suspension? How's that possible? From uh, Dan. Well, Dan, because the NHL Overseas Memorial Cup, because it's all the different leagues, so the NHL oversees that, and so even though, which is odd to me, and I'm like, okay, well, that's not odd to me, but it's odd to me that, okay, now you get to the Memorial Cup, and the NHL can overrule an OHL suspension because Mark Beck would be was given a two-game suspension in the OHL. Now they get to the Memorial Cup. I guess technically it's not the Ontario Hockey League is, is what they're going by, but yes, um, the NHL player safety looked at it and said, Beck, that was worthy of only one game, and uh, now you can play in the Memorial Cup. Oh, he's a high draft pick. NHL product, they hope so. I get it, but it's it's odd. Like I can't. I don't know if that's. Do you ever recall that happening, Struts? I don't. I didn't know they had. That was the the way it worked, right? And I, I can understand why, right? They probably want a neutral party to deal with it. But I I I I, I don't. I don't think it's healthy to change something that another governing body's made a decision on. Yeah, I'm I'm a little surprised by that for sure. 441, we'll return on the Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. We've got five questions, tell me I'm wrong, and more. And uh, hopefully you can help out for kids' sport. We'll tell you how next. Rolling through, Jason Gregor, Jason Strudwick, Brian Douglas with you, and after the Sports Theater, TSN 1260. Let's get to five questions. Brought to you by The Brick, where uh, great savings happen all the time. Not only on indoor furniture, but also patio furniture. You have uh, outdoor dining conversations, sectional sets, barbecues, outdoor TVs, and more. Check it out at The Brick and TheBrick.com. It's time for five questions on The Jason Greger Show. Question one for you guys this afternoon. With Craig Conroy now in place as the Flames' new general manager, who do you think would make the best fit as their next head coach? Well, I'm picking up my heart a little bit, but this guy has put his time in. He's earned it working up from Western Hockey League to HL, now the NHL. I'm going Ryan Huska. Uh, he's ready for it. I think he'd have the uh, the confidence of the players there. Uh, so I put Ryan Huska in as the head coach. Oh, promoting the assistants. Interesting. Um, like, I know there's lots of talk about Mitch Love, and, you know, he's AHL Coach of the Year, but I think it's important to look at the Wranglers and how experienced their team was. They didn't have any young guys, very not many anyway in Calgary. They're a really mature team, and so I think that can help you. Um, I don't mind Husk at all. Uh, I think order fans would say Dallas Akins, but uh, that's obviously not <laughs> going to happen. So I would say uh, Peter Laviolette. Yeah, I think the Mitch Love one is uh, certainly interesting. I, I think I think you've mentioned this before, Gregor, but I think Andrew Brunette seems like a real natural fit to, to go into Calgary there. Uh, I'm curious to see if he will uh, make any waves as, uh, as the interviews roll on for new GM Craig Conroy. Question number two, the Boston Celtics staved off elimination in Miami last night. No team in the history of the NBA playoffs has come back from a 3-0 series deficit. What do you put the Celtics' chances at making NBA history at? Struddy has a better chance of going five for ten at a at a Stingers game than the Celtics do of winning. So I'd say pretty low. Yeah, honestly, I thought that the Heat had a really tough time managing the ball yesterday, and they still were you know put up a bit of a fight till the last couple of minutes. So I'll I put it as zero. 
Question number three, quarterfinal action at the IIHF World Championships gets started nice and early tomorrow morning from Finland and Latvia. What player has impressed you the most in the tournament? Ready? Uh, guys, I'm not going to lie. I haven't watched a second of this. Um, you know, when I saw the roster, I thought it'd be pretty tight for them to uh, have any success. They, they lose to Norway, and I, I'm not going to rip them for that. I mean, everyone has their day. But I, I between NBA, NHL, the PGA Championship, uh, I have not watched a second. Yeah, well, the one guy who's been on fire is, is, uh, is Kubelik. Well, former NHL, I think he's got eight goals already. He's killing it. So I, I guess if I would go off of that, if you're looking, Canada really hasn't had anybody stand out. I, Mackenzie Weegers probably been their best player, uh, I, I would think. So, um, yeah, no one's really jumped out uh, for my mind. But I, I guess if I have to pick one, I'll go with Kubli just because he's got eight goals. Question number four, the news of the Jamie Ben suspension. Two games is his punishment coming down this afternoon. In your guys' opinion, was that number of games just right, too few, or too many? Well, I don't have a problem with them getting two games. It's a stupid play. I just, when I look at that play and I compare it to Petrangelo, I don't see how it's worse. So, to me, I thought they went way too lenient on Petrangelo. And I honestly believe because Dallas is down 3 nothing, I think that's why he got more games. I firmly believe that. I think Petrangelo, I said a Petrangelo was a two-game suspension, so I'm not mad that the that this gets two because it's probably worthy of two. It's just the inconsistency that kind of um, that I struggle with because I, I don't see how you can view this play as severely worse than what uh, Petrangelo attempted to do in his. Yeah, I'm with you, Gregs. You know, and I, and I look at it, it's it's really is a three-game suspension because it happened so early in that. So I I don't think either one I would agree I think they're pretty close to each other um, with intent I think the intention is there I think that I mean Jamie's looked terrible the way he came down hard and just cross checked the guy right in the neck in the slash I don't know it, it wasn't good but I would have been surprised I would have been I would have been fine if they both would have got two and lastly a bit of sad news coming down this morning icon of music Tina Turner passed away at the age of eighty three. Really simple one for you guys to round it out. What is your favorite Tina Turner song of all time? Man, I really like Tina Turner. I've always liked her. Uh, I think she was in the movie Thunderdome, and but she had so many good songs. So I'm gonna go a little bit off the board. She's got a lot, but uh, I don't want to fight no more. That that's a just a classic song I loved by Tina. She had a ton, a ton. Greg's. Oh, Stardy loves the loves the ballads. It's fair. I do. Um, well, the. The the one that's um, played the most, of course, is uh, simply the best. But that's actually not what uh, I actually. You know, I'm probably going to go down Strud's uh, alley here a little bit, and I'm going to go with uh, "What's Love Got to Do with It." Oh, jeez, slow songs, eh? I love it. What about you, Brandon? What do you got? Uh, we've referenced Brian Adams already several times throughout oh, yeah. the course of this afternoon's show. Uh, the duet, uh, It's Only Love with Tina Turner and Brian Adams, yeah. is one of my favorite songs of all time. So I know it's not a, a solo track by her, but, yeah, that one really uh, gets it going for me. Another one I think for more, a little more juice is Proud Mary. Like when she sings that, yes. the energy she brings. Um, so it's funny. We all kind of went a little bit lighter, although with Brian it was a little more juice. But that song... 
rolling, rolling on the river. Like she just gets off. Oh, great song. Just kills oh, it. I, no, I she, killed that she, she was ultra talented. There's a, there's no doubt about it. Um, very talented. And probably, uh, you know, one of the greatest pair of legs ever been talked about. Like, <laughs> so <kidding> strong. <laughs> no. So strong her legs. Yeah. So. Yeah, too bad. Lived in Switzerland, though, eh? She passed away in Switzerland. Not a bad place to live. No, not at all. Not at all. Strutty, does Carolina extend it, or is it over tonight? I think it's over tonight. Honestly, you know what, Greg? I, I feel badly for that team, and this will probably be explored further, but missing two guys that can score, I just wonder how much that would be a difference. You know, could, could they have got one or two goals in those first games? And we're maybe talking about a 2-1 series here, or, you know, whatever, for, for or against Carolina. So that's that's a tough one because they got a pretty good team there. Uh, but those injuries, I think it really hurt them against this team. Oh, yeah, without uh, without question. Strutty, have yourself a wonderful day. We will uh, we will chat with you tomorrow. Can't wait, guys. Talk to you then. Jason Strudwick. Um, before we go, we've got a few things to, uh, to get to. We're going to get to a little Eagle Rock trivia right now. Uh, Text in at uh, 10, 12, 60. Up for grabs, round of golf for you to uh, tee it up. Go to eaglerockgolf.com is where you can book your tee times. And once you book it, make sure you plan. I wouldn't say go there hungry, but make sure you have room for the Smoky because uh, there is, uh, there's nothing better. Nothing better. I'm looking because today is our Wednesday. We do a little uh, non um, non uh, sports trivia. <laughs> this one, <laughs> man. If some of you get this, it's good. I don't like unreal. If you get it, might take a little bit of time. And usually, I can tell because then people are going to Google it. But if anybody knows this answer off the top, you're an unbelievable person because I had no clue until I was looking it up. So. Here's our trivia question today, courtesy of uh, Eagle Rock. What is a group of cats called? A group of cats. If you know the answer, text in to 10-12-60 Eagle Rock Trivia. Right? Pride of Lions. But what do you call a group of cats? And how many of you have a group of cats at home? Text it to 10 12 60. While we wait for that, we'll get to a Sports Center update with Brandon Douglas brought to you by Edmonton Kubota. Their zero turn mowers are built for professional mowing results, durability, and comfort. They're ready to tackle any terrain while keeping you comfortable. Go to EdmontonKubota.com.